the choir didn't sing, and can I say, you guys are amazing. What a wonderful job, and thank you for leading us in worship to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ this morning. What a wonderful uh, Savior we have in Jesus, and, and I thank you for leading us in worship this morning. I thank you for allowing me to come back and worship with you this morning. Uh, it's a privilege and an honor to be here, and I thank you for asking me to come back, and I look forward to what Jesus is going to do here today and what he teaches us through his word. Uh, this morning, I'm not going to preach a, a regular 4th of July freedom, liberty uh, message, but the message I am going to preach uh, deals with the infringement on our freedom as a believer and how we are under attack uh, in our nation and in our world for our faith. And if you would, turn with me this morning to the book of 1 Samuel. In 1 Samuel chapter 17 is where we will begin this morning in verse 40. And if you will, when you find your place in God's Word, and if you are able, would you stand in reverence to the reading of God's Word with me this morning? Beginning in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 40, God's Word says, And he took his staff in his hand, and he chose him five smooth stones out of the brook, and put them in a shepherd's bag which he had, even in a scrip. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David. And the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistines said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh into the fowls of the air, and to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, and with a spear, and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee, and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands." And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead, that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face, face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and of Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines until thou came to the valley and to the gates of Ekron. 
And the wounded of the Philistines fell down by the way to Sherem, even unto Gath and unto Ekron. Merciful Father, holy God, what a privilege and an honor it is to be in your house, to worship you, holy God, and you deserve all of our praise and all of our glory. Thank you for demonstrating your love for us through your Son. Thank you, Jesus, for your obedience to the Father in laying down your life willingly on the cross, shedding your blood to pay for our sin, dying the death that we deserve, then taking your life back up, walking out of the grave alive, defeating our greatest enemy, and offering us freedom in you. Freedom from our sins, freedom from the oppression of Satan. And Lord, we are so grateful to you this morning. We pray that you bless the reading of your word, the preaching of your word, that your will be done here today, and that all that is done will bring you honor and glory. And it's in your name, Lord Jesus, we ask these things. Amen. You may be seated. So, uh, as we look into this passage of Scripture this morning, I want us to look at the giant in the darkness. David was facing the giant, the one who stood in opposition to God's people, the one who stood and openly opposed God himself. Today, the giant we face are those who stand and taunt God and his people. The giant represents, in this passage of Scripture, everything that is anti-Christ. They stand in open defiance to God, taunting and blaspheming Him. And the darkness that they represent is the evil and the wickedness and the demonic powers at work in the world that we live in. And just to give you an understanding, I have a couple of articles. I'm sure you're familiar with Dr. Dobson, uh, who stands up for faith and family, and the articles that he writes. If you do not get his emails, I would encourage you to get those. Uh, he's a wonderful man of God, and he loves the Lord, and he's, his whole mission is to stand up for faith and family. And the articles that he wrote that I'm going to reference this morning, the first one is this. He wrote this. He said, Is it inconceivable that Christians could be banned from teaching in public schools? Now, this is what we're facing as the darkness and the wickedness of this world stands in opposition to believers and to God, okay? Some radical secularists have advocated for it. Now, a school board in Arizona has gone a step further. The Washington Elementary School District, serving students in the Phoenix area, just canceled a contract the district had with Arizona Christian University, or ACU. The contract made it possible for ACU students' teachers to be placed in local schools for field experience. There were no complaints from parents or students about the arrangement, which has been in place for five years. Then some school board members read ACU's website, where they found a mission statement that said the university is committed to Jesus Christ accomplishing his will and advancing his kingdom on earth as in heaven. The university also stated that it believed in the centrality of family. The university um, also said that it believed in traditional sexual morality and lifelong marriage between one man and one woman. That simple statement, ladies and gentlemen, of biblical belief was too much for the three members of the board who identify as LGBTQ+. The effort to cancel the contract was led by board member Tamilia Valenzuela, who describes herself as a bilingual, disabled, neurodivergent, 
queer black Latina. She attends board meetings wearing cat ears. Another board member attacked Arizona Christian University for teaching with a biblical lens. Then this article that just came out this week that I read said this, a UN expert in urging, is urging faith-based communities in the U.S. and around the world to surrender to the demands of the LGBTQ plus lobby. Victor Madrigal Borlaos made the demand in a major speech to the UN Human Rights Council in Geneva. He told the council that the freedom of religion or belief does not include promoting ideas that clash with LGBTQ plus practices and beliefs. He expressed particular concern about religious leaders and faiths that discuss homosexual conduct in the context of sin and immorality and even suggested that traditional religious views could lead to violence against homosexuals. This UN expert is essentially telling traditional Christians, Orthodox Jews, Muslims, and Roman Catholics that they must abandon thousands of years of religious teachings in order to preserve LGBTQ plus dignity and self-realization. He expressed particular anger at Hungary because the Central European nation had declared itself in 2020 to be a Christian nation and had proclaimed the mother is a woman, the father is a man. Apparently, this obvious truth is controversial at the UN. Finally, he blasted religious exemptions, laws, and court rulings that allow Christians, including, including those associated with businesses, to opt out of participating in same-sex marriages and related LGBTQ events. It is disturbing to ponder the fact that this this man's outrageous demands are virtually identical to the public policy positions of the Biden administration. And not only that, our governor is promoting gender reassignment in our children. He's promoting that, in case you have not heard that. And there are eight states in the United States of America that offer children seeking gender reassignment asylum. Now, your children can make it to one of these states, California being one, and they can plead for asylum even as a child who is not in their teens. And these states will give them asylum. And ladies and gentlemen, when that state offers that asylum to that child, you can not come get your child. They will not surrender your child to you. They will keep your child. They will allow it to go through and pay for its sexual gender reassignment surgeries and you've lost your child. See, that's what we're dealing with in our nation today. And let me start by saying this. As far as the LGBTQ plus community, I am not preaching hate on them this morning because Jesus died for them the same as he died for us. And, and the sad thing about it is what they're enduring is the wrath of God. When you read Romans chapter 1, it's the wrath of God that, that they're enduring and the blindness that Satan is causing them that are dragging them down into this immoral, immoral state that they're in. They're suffering. They need the gospel. They need the truth of Jesus Christ. And the only freedom they can have from the sins that they're dealing with in their lives is through Jesus. And the only way they can ex- escape eternity in hell 
is through Christ. So I'm preaching love for them this morning. I would love for them to be in the church this morning. I want them to hear the gospel message. I do not preach hate against them. My daughter told me that on social media, if you post anything about Christ, that people just blast you. They, They do nothing but express hate and anger towards people who have faith in Jesus Christ. Because the Bible tells us clearly, they love the darkness more than the light. So they flee from the light. They flee from Christ and they love their sin. And they don't want anything to do with Him. But ladies and gentlemen, we are under attack as believers. And we need to be aware of what's going on in our country. We need to be aware that there is a giant in the darkness who is anti-Christ and is opposing believers in Jesus Christ. We need to stand up as a church, as God's people, and preach the gospel so that those who are uh, in the bondage of this wickedness and this evil can be set free. And we need to let them see the love of Christ in us so that they can know we are not hating them. But we love them, we care for them, and we want them to know that what they're doing is wrong. And we're not going to lay down and roll over and let them run over us, but we need to stand up, just as young David did, to the one who was antichrist, opposing God and the people of Israel. We need to stand up as believers against those who oppose our Lord and Savior and the people of His body. So I ask you today, how do we triumph over those who defy God in our world today? If we look into this passage of Scripture, the first thing I want you to see is that we must understand the opposition. In verses 41 through 42... God's word said, And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David, and the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. So in verse 41, we see the champion. He was the one who stood in defiance of God and his people. And in verse 42, we see that this champion who stood in defiance to God and his people, he disdained or he despised And he looked down upon with much disrespect and hate on God's people. Do you see that in our country today? Absolutely we do. And he defied them in verses 10, 25, 26, 36, and 45. We see that he was standing in open defiance to God and his people. He was taunting them. He was annoying them. He was blaspheming a holy God and his people. The basis for the opposition that David faced and that we face today is deep hatred of God and his people. A deep hatred of God and his people. That's what it stems from. And they stand against, in this open, this opposition we have, stands against everything that is of God and that is Good. Romans tells us, Romans one twenty one says this, Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks. And they begin to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. That was a more literal translation because it's easier to understand how they are being, their minds are being darkened and they are being confused and they do not even understand what they are actually doing. And if you look back in the book uh, of Genesis and you see that when Adam and Eve rebelled against God and they ate of the fruit of the tree that God had forbid them to eat of, they were led through temptation by Satan, the serpent, to do so. And therefore cursed all of humanity uh, forever. And we all fall under uh, the category that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. From that point on, all of humanity 
has become sinners, right? And because of that, God gave out curses to the man, to the woman, and to the serpent. And he cursed the serpent and he told him, I will send the seed of a woman. He will bruise your head, but you will bruise his heel. See, he already told Satan at that moment in time, I will send a Savior. Even though my people have rebelled against me, my creation has rebelled. Everything that was good has been corrupted. I'm going to send somebody to save him. It's going to be my son. That was the first prophecy we see of Jesus Christ coming to save a lost and dying world. And so Satan was cursed. And he began to try to destroy everything that God had created that was good from the beginning. Right? In the garden. And we see that when he tempted Adam and Eve. Everything that God had created good, Satan went to war against. And then God cursed him. And God told him he would be defeated. And that that seed would come through a woman. So what did Satan do? He began to try to corrupt all of humanity so that there, everyone on the earth was wicked and evil and there was no seed for Jesus Christ to come through. There would be no savior of the world if Satan could accomplish his goal. And he almost did. He almost did. Except there was one man who was faithful. That man was Noah. And by his faith and his obedience to God, he saved himself and his wife and his sons and their wives. And through him and the lineage of Noah, a Savior came. A Savior came. So we see that Satan was in opposition to God all along. And Satan is the one who is corrupting the people that stand in opposition to God's people today. But yet, through Jesus Christ, there is hope. There are many in our world today who oppose God. They seek to stand against and destroy everything that is good and that is of God. They are manipulated by the God of this world who has blinded them to the truth and led them down a path of destruction. 2 Corinthians tells us in chapter 4, verse 4, whose mind the God of this age, being Satan, has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. He has blinded them to the truth so they cannot understand. And our battle is not against them. It is not against the people, but against the rulers of the darkness of the times in which we now live, ladies and gentlemen. Because Paul told us in Ephesians 6, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness, in heavenly places. That is where our battle lies. Against the rulers of the darkness of this age. Against Satan himself. He is the one who is corrupting and trying every way he can to destroy every person that he can. He doesn't care about them. All he cares about is destroying their soul. And if you're not a born-again believer in Jesus Christ today, you're allowing Satan to have that control in your life. And you need to know this morning that the only thing he cares about is destroying your soul. The battle is real. And seeking to destroy our most vulnerable first, our children, then our family. And if he can start at the core unit of our family and our children and begin to destroy and tear us apart, he begins to break down our nation. And he begins to break down the church. And he is accomplishing what he is setting out to do. To stand in opposition and open defiance to a holy God. We must, as believers, be prepared to stand against this onslaught of wickedness. 
as the army of God, clothed in the armor of God, with his word as our sword. That's our weapon. It's the word of God. That's how we are victorious. By faithfully standing on his word and proclaiming it to a lost and dying world. So if we're going to understand our opposition and stand against this opposition, it's going to require us to be faithless or faithful. I apologize. It's going to require us to be faithful and fearless. In verse 45, it said, Then David said to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. The Lord of hosts, God Almighty, who leads his army and his people. David proclaimed to this giant, to this darkness, to this evil that he was standing against, this is who I come for. You stand in opposition to me, but I stand against you by my faith in God Almighty. David stood in the face of the opposition he faced by his faith. And this day the Lord will deliver thee into my hand. That's how faithful he was because he told him that in verse 46. This day I will have victory. This day God will deliver you into my hand. He will hand you over. He will give you to me. I'm not even going to have to lift a finger because God is going to win this battle, which actually he does. But anyway, David was fearless because he believed God would hand him the victory. And the victory was served as a proclamation of the Lord's salvation of his people. That all the earth may know that there is a God. This match was so improbable that the people could only see David's victory as only possible through God. Even Saul told him when he said, I'll stand against this Philistine. I'll stand against this giant. He said, you are but a young boy. And he is a giant. And he is a trained man of war. You don't have a chance. So you see the improbability of this battle. You see the improbability of standing against this opposition. Sometimes we look at those who stand in opposition to God and we're like, well, there's no way. And young David had to stand in that opposition too and he said, yes, there is a way and it is through my God. That should be our battle cry. Today, God will hand you over and he will deliver you to me, and I'm going to put my faith in him, and I'm going to stand against this opposition fearless because I have the victory in Jesus Christ. Joshua wrote in, four, uh, Josh, in Joshua chapter 4, verse 24, says this, that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. When we trust in him by faith, that's what they see. When we stand fearless in our faith, that's what they see, that God is mighty. And it is a testimony and a witness to the world. It makes me think back to the Israelites. When they were wandering in the desert, Moses led them to the promised land. And he offered, he told them, this is what God has given you. Here is what God has promised you. It is the promised land. So I want you to take 12 spies. I want you to go into the land. I want you to see what everything looks like before we go over. So we know what to expect, so we know what we face. So we sent those 12 spies over. And when they came back, what they told Moses was this, we'll never take this land. We can't go in there. We're not going to be able to do it. There's giants in there. 
There's giants in there, and we cannot defeat them. You know, and basically we're saying what God's promised us, he can't fulfill. They had no faith in God's promises. And yet there was two, Caleb and Joshua, that came back and said, let's go get it. Let's go get what God had promised us because they had faith in God's promises. That's what they had. And they were ready to go. They did not care what was on the other side of that river. They were going for what God had promised them. And they were standing faithful to God's promises and fearless of what lie ahead of them. And because of the disbelief of the people, they suffered the consequences of wandering 40 years in the desert until that generation who refused to go in passed away. And they did not get the promise of God. But Joshua and Caleb led in the next generation to receive the promise that God had given to them because they were faithful in God and they were fearless. Our faith enables us to be fearless against those who stand in opposition to God and to those who stand in opposition to believers. Our faithfulness and fearlessness will be a testimony to the world. We can be faithful and fearless because we are strong in the Lord and the power of His might by our faith in His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. In verse 47 of this chapter says, Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and with spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into our hands. Ladies and gentlemen, the battles we face today belong to God. As the young lady read in the reading of God's Word this morning, that God will see, have the vengeance, that God will be the avenger, that God will be victorious, that God will win these battles. Where is your faith, church? Are you fearless or are you overcome by the fear of the darkness that we're standing against today? Those who are standing in opposition of God, we do not need to fear. And those who tell us that we need to shut our mouths, we do not shut up for. But we stand and we proclaim the love and the gospel of Jesus Christ so that those who are bound in this wickedness and this evil and who are blinded by Satan can be set free. That is true freedom. That is what we need to teach the world. That is what we need to proclaim. And we do not let anybody tell us to shut our mouth. Because we have the victory. Don't let them shut you up. Do not let them shut you up. I had a gentleman tell me one time that you cannot have a job in the real world if you're going to tell people about Jesus Christ. That's what he told me. I walked out of that job and walked home and told my wife what happened. I was going through college. I was, and this has been, I don't know, 15 years ago or something. I can't remember. And I, and I was trying to do things to honor God with my life. And he told me that. And I said, you know what? You cannot tell me that I can't tell people about Jesus. They don't have to listen, but you can't tell me not to tell them. And there's a gentleman sitting right there that will tell you that the next job that God put into my lap allows me to preach the gospel every day. I host a devotion there every morning and I get to tell people about Jesus every day and it's a multi-million dollar company and guess what? Satan did not have the victory. I get to tell people about Jesus and I don't have to shut up. And I'm in this real world and as a believer, that's the freedom we have. That's the liberty we get to enjoy and that's the victory that our God wins for us.
That's what we have. That is what we have. So, through our faithfulness and our fearlessness, we need to take the battle to the enemy. In Verse 48 says, And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. David ran to the battle versus Saul's army who fled in fear of the opposition that they faced. In verse 24 it says, And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, talking about the giant, fled from him and were sore afraid. So David prevailed. He defeated and he conquered the giant. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. They started to run. The enemy, ladies and gentlemen, now ran in fear. The enemy now ran in fear. You know, we are celebrating this weekend our freedom. The freedom we we enjoy in our nation. One of the freedoms we are taking part in this morning, the freedom of religion, the freedom to worship. Right? And just think about those men and women before us who stood up and fought for our freedom. What if when the soldiers face the Brits in the Revolutionary War, when they come at them, they just drop their weapons and surrender? We would not be enjoying our freedom today as we are now. What if all those men and women who have fought for our freedom over the years, who have stood up for the freedoms we enjoy as a nation, when they stood in the face of the opposition they faced, what if they just dropped their weapons and surrendered and said the enemy is too great for us to stand against? Then we would not be celebrating the freedoms that we are celebrating this weekend. We would not be enjoying the freedoms that we have in our nation. But they did not do this. They took the battle to the opposition and they were victorious and thereby allowed us to have the freedoms we enjoy in our country today. Ladies and gentlemen, as a church, as the body of Christ, as born-again believers, we cannot stand still and do nothing. We cannot. Because if we do, we are forfeiting the battle. We are surrendering and giving up if we stand still and do nothing. We must take the battle to the enemy. We have understood who the enemy is today. He is those who stand in opposition to God. Those who are blinded by Satan and the powers of the air, the demons that are at work for him. They expect us to run in fear, but we can stand in faith. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will change the outcome of the battle. What if all of God's people stood in faith against the enemy and those who seek to destroy us and our children? Do you know what a difference it would make in our nation? And the prayers of Lord in the heavens with sweeping revival will be answered because God's people will be doing what God has asked them and expects them to do. Standing in opposition to those who defy Him, preaching the gospel and expressing the love of Christ so those people have a chance. And so Satan knows he's defeated. And God can have the victory. And the world can see Him for who He is. Or will we, as believers, as the body of Christ, simply hand over 
a helpless generation for the enemy to slaughter. That's the choice we get to make. Are we going to stand or are we going to hand over a helpless generation for the enemy to slaughter? If you look in our high schools today, if you look throughout the school system, if you look at our young people and you see what they're posting on social media, he's winning. He's destroying a generation. What are we going to do? How are we going to stand? Are we going to cower? Or are we going to protect them? Because God has us here for such a time as this. That's what we're here for. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 4-5, through 5, God's Word says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is a victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. We already have the victory. Why would we surrender now? Why? John 1.5 says this, And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. That's a reminder that the darkness of this world cannot extinguish the light of Jesus Christ. And as believers, you are the light of Jesus Christ shining in this world. The darkness cannot extinguish you because Jesus lives in you and you have nothing to fear. You have nothing to fear. And John 1.12 says this, But as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. That word power there is power of authority or influence and power of right or privilege. God has given you by your faith in him the authority and the privilege to preach the gospel to a lost and dying world. And through your faith in Jesus Christ, God has given you the authority and the privilege of being an heir to the kingdom of heaven. And if you have your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that is authority from God. And that is privilege from God. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the most highest authority in the universe has given you that privilege. And if you've never known Christ as your Savior, you can have that privilege, you can have that authority by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ today. Saying, Satan, I understand today that you're trying to destroy me. That's all you want to do. But Jesus loves me, and he wants to forgive me. That's what he wants to do. He doesn't want to condemn you. He said, I came not into the world to judge the world, but that the world through me might be saved. He just wants to save you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He wants to open your mind to the truth. He wants to remove the blinders that Satan has put on you. He wants to set you free. And he wants to give you a life like you never dreamed you would have. And the the lies that Satan has held you in will be broken and the chains be broken. And you will begin to see that what you thought you enjoyed and what you thought you needed in your life was all just destroying you. And Christ has made you alive. That's what you need to understand today. And that's what Jesus wants to offer you. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God. He will give you that right this morning to become a children of God, a child of God, if you'll accept him and believe in him. And if you have accepted him, and if you have believed on him this morning, are you willing to stand in the face of the opposition of everything that is anti-Christ, faithful and fearless, taking the battle to the enemy so that Satan does not have the victories that he is standing or that he is having today and that God can be known to the world by the work he does through us as we stand up for him 
and we preach the gospel, and we share his love. Are you going to make that choice? Or are you going to hand over a helpless generation for the enemy to slaughter? Merciful Father, Holy God, we thank you for this time in your word today. We thank you, Lord, for opening our eyes to the truth of what's going on in the world we live in today. I ask and pray that you give us the strength, the power, and everything we need to stand against the enemy, that you will have the victories, God, and that we will, you will be uh, glorified, that you will get all the glory and the honor for everything that you do. And Lord, you will take away our fear and give us your boldness and your courage as the church prayed for in the book of Acts. Lord, give us your boldness to stand in the opposition of the enemy. And Lord, make you known until you come back, let us be that light in the world. And God, the one here today who doesn't know you as their Savior, Lord, draw them this morning. Open their eyes. Help them to understand that you love them and you want to save them and give them the faith to believe this morning. And Lord, to those who stand in opposition to you this morning, we pray for them. We ask, Lord, that their eyes be opened. We ask, Lord, that you would uh, be victorious in and through their lives. And God, some will not turn to you. But those who have ears to hear, let them hear. And it's in your name, Lord Jesus, we pray and ask these things. Amen.